It is often said that sleep is the foundation for weight loss. Does this hold true? It does, and there are several reasons why. I want you to think about your sleep lately. Have you been getting a decent amount of sleep? We're aiming for at least seven plus hours as an adult. Is it easy for you to switch off and actually get to sleep? Or are you still staring at the ceiling hours later? Does someone tell you that you snore or stop breathing while you sleep? And are you feeling refreshed and alert after sleep? Or do you feel groggy and even more tired the next day? Have you noticed how poor sleep affects you? Do you notice that you might have more sugary cravings the next day? Or you might be more hungry than usual? Let's work on our sleep today in the Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. I'm your host, Saraya Nikwan, a weight loss surgery dietitian, and I am excited that you're here today. This podcast is for anyone struggling with nutrition and weight years after bariatric surgery. You might be feeling confused, overwhelmed, and not quite sure what your body needs after that first year post-op. This is where I can help you. Join me every week where you'll leave supported and motivated to take the next step in your nutrition journey. Thank you for being here with me today. Now let's get started. First off, why is sleep important? We know that sleep is an important biological function that is essential for life. While we sleep, many functions take place to help the body in physical recovery and repair. It also supports brain function and development, cardiac function, which is your heart, and the body metabolism. Sleep also supports our learning and consolidating memories and improves our mood when we do sleep enough. Over time, we have been sleeping less. In 1910, we used to sleep apparently nine hours a night, which is down to seven and a half hours in 1975, and today we sleep less than seven hours. Researchers have found a chronic pattern of sleep duration less than six hours a night has been associated with having a higher body mass index, or BMI. Why, might you ask? Well, they propose that it's to do with the circadian rhythm. So if you are unaware of what the circadian rhythm is, it is basically our internal wake and sleep cycle. There are certain functions that happen in the body and hormones that are released at certain times of the day as per a 24-hour cycle. Now, we can disrupt this circadian rhythm like when we travel long-distance travel on an aeroplane and cross multiple time zones, or we might disrupt it with night shifts or, I'm looking at you nurses, having those changing shifts where you do an early, then you do an afternoon and a late and a night shift. So it's basically changing your own sleep and wake cycle and there's no consistency. The body likes consistency or routine. There is also, on the flip side, an increase in our professional and social demands, artificial lightning, which helps us stay awake longer, and the widespread use of technology, such as scrolling on our phones or the blue light from our devices, that affect the quantity and quality of sleep. We know that sleep and wake cycles are strictly controlled by the circadian rhythm, and as a consequence of this, as I mentioned before about sleep having an improvement on our metabolism, it does have a strong effect on ghrelin and leptin in the blood. These are hormones that regulate appetite and caloric intake. To refresh your memory, ghrelin is the hunger hormone and leptin is the fullness hormone. So we want leptin to work so that we feel full after eating, and we don't want too much ghrelin, 
so we're not starving and eating more because we actually can't feel full. You might recall that if you've had a gastric sleeve or a gastric bypass, the ghrelin was manipulated in those cases, but as time goes on, the ghrelin comes back. If you have had a poorer sleep, there is usually more ghrelin in the blood, which then stimulates your hunger, and a decreasing of that hormone leptin, which helps you keep full. This isn't good news. There was also an increase in cravings and hunger, notably in that second half of the day, often caused by a combination of these hormones and fatigue. Overall, this leads you to eating more food to manage that fatigue and stress. Similarly, inadequate sleep or not enough sleep means that you have less willpower to stick to the prescribed plan or eating plan that you've designated for yourself and leads you to choose more caloric dense food choices such as fun foods, easy to get like chocolates, chips, lollies, biscuits, cakes that are easily available or getting takeaway instead of cooking. It also leads to less physical activity because, well, you're tired. So overall, improving the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep may be accompanied by a better balance of these hormones that regulate your appetite. It also improves your glucose tolerance and reduces the level of cortisol in the body, which overall will be your reduction in stress levels. Are you convinced that you need to get more sleep? So how can we do this? How can we get a better night's sleep? Going back to my comment on if someone's told you that you snore or that you stop breathing in your sleep or if you constantly feel like you're getting poor quality sleep or another sign of sleep disorders is falling asleep quickly and easily during the day, it would be important to get sleep disorders ruled out by your general physician or practitioner to ensure that that's not an underlying cause as to why you can't sleep. So when we talk about improving our sleep, it's often termed sleep hygiene. Some people find that doing some type of stretching can help get the movement going in the body. And there's different types of yoga, for example, that is predetermined for sleep. That can be helpful to help you start that wind down process of getting ready for bed. I've also come across this rule called the rule of three, two, one. So three hours before bed, try to avoid any food. This will also help with reflux if you struggle with reflux after weight loss surgery. Two hours before bed, no work. One hour before bed, no screens. Doing those may help you create a nice solid routine as you lead up to that sleep. You might also know that the smartphones can have bedtime reminders so they can pop up alerts on your phone when it's time for you to start winding down. It is important to have a consistent sleep and wake-up time even on the weekends. This will help you build a steady pattern with your sleep. Something that I've always found interesting is that when you sleep in or when you wake up early, just suddenly, I like to think of it as jumping time zones and that's where you get that feeling of jet lag. It takes your body a few days to get used or even weeks to get used to an earlier wake-up time or recover from sleeping in and getting back into a normal wake-up time when it's time to go back to work. So it's really a great idea to keep a consistent sleep and wake-up time as best as you can. The next tip is to make sure that you try to expose yourself to the natural outside light, so the sun, when you wake up. This helps with decreasing the melatonin production and helps you wake up naturally. The next strategy is to try to avoid caffeine after noon. 
So the half-life of caffeine is around about five hours, which means that there is still 50% of it left in your body. And then it takes another five hours for that caffeine to be reduced in half again, so to 25% and so on. So technically by 10 p.m., 25% of the caffeine from your 12 p.m. coffee is still in your body. So caffeine affects sleep quality and the ability to actually get to sleep. So it'd be a great idea if you can minimize your caffeine, especially afternoon, so that you're preparing yourself for a great night's sleep for that night. It is also a good idea to not do intensive exercise before bedtime. So we're talking about two to three hours before bed. Exercise gets us physiologically aroused and activated, and this is incompatible with sleep. Uh, You might like to try yoga or Pilates or or walking even as a more gentle exercise to help you wind down. Or you might even like to try some relaxing movement if that's absolutely the only time of day that you can get to the gym. It is also important to reduce or eliminate alcohol. So alcohol, depending on the quantity it's consumed, it is a depressant, so it does make it easier to get to sleep. However, once the liver enzymes start breaking down that alcohol, you start to get woken up in your sleep and then you get a poorer quality of sleep. So even one unit of alcohol interferes with your sleep quality and makes that sleep less restorative. Another very strong and commonly discussed uh, strategy around sleep is to create a bedtime routine that is relaxing. And this is especially important for that one hour before bed when you've put your screens away. So ideally, we want to make a distinction between daytime activities that are associated with alertness and bedtime ones that promote relaxation. So you might like to have a decaffeinated tea or a warm bath, dim the lights, Uh, make your bedding and your pillows really comfortable, darken the room and keep the temperature a nice temperature so that you can fall asleep easily. I have two more sleep hygiene tips to share with you for today and one of them is to have a cup of warm milk about half an hour or so before sleep. Now this is a small volume of food which shouldn't affect reflux if you have it and drink it slowly. If it does affect your reflux obviously avoid it but Milk is rich in tryptophan, which helps make the hormone melatonin. So having a warm glass of milk around about that half an hour before bed may help stimulate sleepiness. And other people find chamomile tea can be helpful or those sleepy tea blends you can find from tea shops. And some people find that lavender oil on the temples of the head or soles of the feet may help with getting to sleep. Essentially whatever works, right? And my last tip would be if you cannot fall asleep in that first 15 to 20 minutes after going to bed, it's important to get out of bed and do a non-stimulating activity such as reading a book or reading a magazine or trying more of those wind-down routine options like yoga or stretching that we discussed earlier. Or it could be doing some other non-stimulating activity like coloring, for example, so that you're not actually stimulating your brain and body to wake up. You want it to go to sleep. It's important to keep the act of going into your bedroom associated with actually sleeping rather than a place where you can watch Netflix or play on your phone or go on the computer and do some work for a few minutes because all the while that's building a brain habit that, oh, we're in bed, okay, it might be time to pull out the laptop where we really want to restrict the bedroom just for sleeping and for other intimacy activities. 
So I hope that these tips have really helped you get some more shut eye. It is important to try find what works best for you and give it a go consistently for a while. Again, if you have any of those symptoms where you're snoring or you're not breathing during parts of the night, get that checked out because it could relate to an underlying sleep disorder. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback on this topic and any other sleep tips that you would like to share. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me on Reverse the Post.Regain podcast. If you would like to learn more about what I do, head to at the Bariatric Collective on Instagram or Facebook or visit us online at www.thebariatriccollective.com.au and reach out if you need support reversing weight regain or anything related to bariatric surgery. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love for you to take a moment to review the show if you found it helpful or share it with a few friends. I look forward to chatting with you next time.